Welcome, all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This is It Records. Alright, welcome back all you creatures of the night. Thank you for joining us here today on the It Records podcast, or night, whenever you're really listening to us. I have no domain of when you're listening to us. Maybe you're doing laundry, maybe you're on a run. Who knows? But we're glad you're listening to us today. I appreciate it. I am Matt Johnson. I am one of your co-hosts of this fabulous podcast, and I am joined as always by the fabulous, the fantastic, the magnanimous Peter Hansen and Lindsay Clark. You got they're both with me today. Thank you guys for joining us. Hi, praise. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I could fit you in. I appreciate it. Um, I know it's always yeah difficult. your tight your your tight schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to fit us all in, but I'm glad. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we could do it. And it's yeah. I took my uh, survivor break. I uh, been watching the last survivor. Survivor, huh? I was, just, I was just about ready to ask. What have you been watching, uh, or otherwise, Pete? So, Survivor is at the top of the list. Welcome to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them? Yeah, I, I've I've gone through nine seasons of Survivor in uh, two months. Whoa! Okay. How many are left? <laughs> like thirty. So I I got it. So I started watching it season seven with Courtney, and now we're like sixteen or some shit like that. Um, it's fans versus favorites. Mm. If that rings any bells. Probably got Rob on there. Matt. Rupert maybe. No, 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 that's, you're thinking that's All-Stars. All-Stars, okay. <laughs> so, uh, right now, it's Final Four, no, Final Three. Parvati, uh, Amanda, and Suri are okay. the three ladies that are left. It's a really good season. What, Probably the best one to date that I've seen. Where have you, where are you watching all of them at? Because I saw Netflix... Hulu. Okay, yeah. I saw Netflix has, like, two seasons. Hulu has a bunch of... Yeah. Them. Hulu has, like, 32 seasons. Oh, I need to get on that. Because I want to watch some of those early ones, like Africa, uh, Australia. I remember those ones. Yeah. Like, I haven't really watched those whole seasons in a long time. So I'd look forward to watching those. I've been really enjoying, like, the era I'm in right now. Like, I just feel like each season is, like, pretty much getting better and better. Is like I feel like no season really has been like horrible. Like there's definitely been like people that I like don't like, but there's also just been there's always like someone to like. Okay, I like that person a lot. Like though, like like Fiji for example. Like I hated like a good chunk of that cast, but then like they had Yao Man who was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just talking some old Survivor talk right now. You know, mm-hmm. a decade a decade old. <laughs> But it's still that people have been... it's still going though, right? It's yeah, yeah. It's still a thing. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they're filming right now, right? 
because I know like their their most recent season ended, and I've heard it's really good. So that's something to look forward to. Is that the late of the season is still really good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to get back into those because I was really I was really curious when it popped up on my Netflix. So I, now that I know they're on Hulu, watch out! I'm gonna catch up with them. Yeah, I am cru- cruising through it. I just I can't get enough of it because I'm just like. Uh, I mean, like horror related. I watched. I finished Lovecraft Country. I really liked it. Um, you know, uh, we didn't finish our horror marathon that I oh. ambitiously try and tackling. We're still trying to go. Th- you know, we're still trying to watch some of it, but we're like we trolled off quite a bit because like now we're like you know gearing up for Christmas or whatever. But like you know, no Christmas movies yet until December. You know, I'm, I'm a human being. I, 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 gotta <laughs> I got give, rules. I got to give, yeah, I got to give respect to Thanksgiving for a little <laughs> bit. Just for the food, nothing else. You know, not all the terrible things that Thanksgiving is associated with because it's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being with family the best way you can mm-hmm. during these times <laughs> and eating a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Halloween. I love, I mean, there's plenty of movies to watch, marathons to do. But I do like the break between, you know, all the festivities with Christmas, movies to watch, things to do. That November you have that kind of lull where Thanksgiving's there. It, it's great to eat all that food, but it's not as festive. There's not as many movies to watch or like things to do. Yeah, yeah. Need a break. Why a break in there? Planes, trains, and automobiles yep, is really the only one I could think classic. of. Charlie Brown. It's a, Charlie Brown's got all three yeah, of those holidays. Charlie Brown, classic, of course. Classic. But I think that's. I mean that's all like I can think of for Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> There's I watched I watched Chicken Run. Apparently Chicken Run is considered a is Thanksgiving it? That, movie. I was going to say that. I was going to say Chicken Run, but I guess it's not just me. Maybe maybe it is a Thanksgiving movie. And then someone <laughs> um God, uh, what else I was trying to watch. We are we are I've a seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the third and Thanksgiving 3, mm-hmm. you know, the sequel. They're bad movies. Don't watch them. <laughs> so we got Survivor, Lovecraft Country, and Pete's ready for Thanksgiving before watching his Christmas movies. That'll be his next, what he's been watching. It's his Christmas marathon. Yes. Yes, that's it. There, it is a marathon. It's much shorter than my horror marathon. It's not 50 movies. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 20. That's doable. Reasonable. Yeah. It's a lot more reasonable. Yeah. All right. You could take Die like hardest. five days off and still yeah. get it done. That's true. And I think we're st- we're still watching it after Christmas because we have still like we have like Christmas adjacent movies like Die Hard and uh, While You Were Sleeping. Yeah. I-, I believe are two Christmas adjacent movies that are on the list. Okay. And those are, are those are being saved till after Christmas. Because yes, of that? they okay. are. Yeah, and then and then like the day after Christmas are like you know Bad Santa and Scrooge, so like you know like the anti Christmas movies, right? Mm-hmm. Of you course, know, we thought it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and of, and of course, to the last day of, of Hanukkah, we we gave you know some props to you know the Jewish community <laughs> by watching this movie called we're gonna watch, I think it's called the, the no, I can't remember the name of it the Jewish Hammer. Or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Some Hanukkah movie that I've heard is really weird. I've never heard of it. I've never seen it before. Oh. I gotta now correct myself. Yeah. Because I think I said the wrong name. Well, that 
The Hebrew Hammer. The Hebrew Hammer. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I have heard of this, never seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen a reference to this. I literally had no idea what it is. But uh, we're going to throw it over to Lindsay. Lindsay, what have you been watching, horror or otherwise? Mm -hmm. So my life has been pretty simple um, these days. And by that, I've just been, you know, watching The Bachelorette and Boy Meets World. Oh, nice. nice. And own, I'm on season three. Do you own the DVDs or is it Disney Plus? It's Disney Plus. Disney My Plus. brother is nice enough to share it with me because apparently they took it off Hulu. Did you guys uh, notice that? I did not, no. I did not notice that. Well, I'm here to tell you that they took it off Hulu. Breaking news so... here on the podcast. <laughs> um, so for anyone who didn't know, now you know. But if you guys have Disney Plus, you're in luck. So, um. Yeah, I just, I, I just love that show. I really feel like it hits stride. And, like, so I'm at the end of season three, but I feel like it gets really, really good in, like, season four and five. That's probably my favorite time of the show. I feel like when they're in middle school, I feel like is like, the best. Yeah, those are really good, too. So that's, like, like what, season one and two, I think, three times. Is that... Is that... Okay, so I thought season one was, like, when they're in sixth grade. Yeah. And then maybe I'm just misremembering it. And I and like okay, I went to, when I went to school, sixth grade was not part of middle school. My middle school was seventh and eighth grade. Mm. So that like didn't he go to a different school, in like it, where you're at in season three? Isn't that when that started? I think they consider them to be in high school at that point. Okay, maybe yeah. I'm just uh, I think they're freshmen. In season maybe I'm three. just okay. Maybe I'm just misremembering what I liked them. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really know if I want to say they're in high school. Yeah, and I think. And this is going back to my Boy Meets World fanfare uh, when I used to watch it. But I think like four and five that you're referring to is still high school, but they go up another floor. Like, I feel like that's a part of the, the story is like the freshman, sophomore are on like the first level. And then their lockers are on like the second level, like the second uh, floor of the high school. And But it's the same building. They're still in high school, but it's like a scene change a little bit. Mm-hmm. But all they did was change the camera angle. Basically, it's it's really it's, it. the, it's, the same, it's like the same set in lockers, but it's just like it's a different way to view it. Yeah, to show that time has passed. Exactly, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> really funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's about it for me. So, uh, how about you, Matt? What have I been watching? Good question. I'm trying to think of TV shows. Um, I don't. I haven't really been watching any TV shows, to be honest with you. I might I might start into Survivor because I saw that come up. Uh, I watched this documentary called Hypernormalization that was three hours long. I think that's like, wow. like the last movie I've watched. The Social Network is on the list. I do a thing with my family. Um, if you if you want to know, every every Sunday we'll do a call. Ever since we've kind of been, you know, at home, and someone picks a movie, and so we watch a movie based on their pick. So, I love that. So that's where I watched Hypernormalization and Social Networks coming up. So that's on, on those lists to watch. Social Network is really good. It's awesome. And it was actually my choice because um, I really, I've always really liked it. And it's just been so long since I've watched it. It's been years. And I really wanted to come back to it and talk about it. I haven't seen it. it since it came out, I think. Fun trivia fact. That was the first movie I ever saw um, at ISU. At, I went to the... What was it the star starlight or whatever down by the highway what was that called was it starplex, starplex. yeah that's like a theater starplex 
It was October of 2010, so my freshman year, and that was the first movie I saw there was Social Network. What was the movie that we saw together? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Um, I got it. I think I. Do you remember it? I think. Was it in a world? In a world. Oh, the with Lake Bell and like Dimitri Martin, where she's the voiceover actress. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Was that the normal theater though? Is that where we saw it? It wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Then. Yeah. I own that movie, which is also a plug for that it's, movie. It's a. It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. <laughs> That's a good one. Yes. Um, also, a shout out to Starplex and the normal theater. <laughs> I don't even know. Is Starplex still around? The last time I was there, yes, but I don't know. <laughs> I really hope so. They had the best seats, and it was always six dollars. Did you ever, guys ever go to the Wurmberg theaters? Of course, I wanted to, but never did. Wurenberg, did you? Wurenberg, Wurenberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it just because it's it's so old timey, and then like the the what Matt is mimicking is like they had such like an old jingle that I feel like hasn't changed since like the twenties, and. It just like was whisper. It's like Wurenberg theaters, and it was like Wurenberg, Wurenberg, and it was like <laughs> so fucking weird. The first time you go, and I remember bringing my roommate. He's like, "What the fuck is happening?" I'm like, "I know, it's great." <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's it for me for right now. I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what? That's not true. I the, the one last thing I'll plug. I've watched Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix, and that just came out. Probably in the past week. I think it was last Friday. Okay. Um, is that good? It's super silly. I, I I like it. It's very funny, I think, but it's super okay. silly and nonsensical. If that's not your cup of tea, you'll think it's dumb. Like it's like low low island level jokes. If you'll Okay. I'm into that. I saw like five seconds of because you know like Netflix like autoplay shit or whatever when you're scrolling. And then I was like and then like I see that play and I'm like what the fuck is this? This looks like trash. Why is this? Why is this coming up for me? <laughs> like I like hate. I like hated it because I was just like I'm just trying to find something to watch. I'm either rewatching Community, or I'm watching Shit's Creek, or I'm watching Naruto. That's those. Those are my three on on Netflix right now. <laughs> but I, I'd recommend it. I I was drawn to it. I got the same recommendation, Pete. I had no idea what it was. But I also listened to the podcast uh, Comedy Bang Bang, and it was also a show for a while, if you guys were aware of the, the show. And they were on the podcast, and the guy who runs that podcast produced it, along with Ed Helms from The Office or The Hangover. He produced that show, and he's in the show for a few episodes. So I was like, I'll check it out now that I kind of have a bearings of, you know, oh, who's behind this? <laughs> Sorry, cat, cat <laughs> alert. Uh, <laughs> everything's okay. Uh, but yeah, I would. They do what they want. No, she came right over the computer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's people on here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what I've been watching, and it's been a great time. But <laughs> we've also been watching something else. That's why we're a horror movie podcast. So I'll kind of lead you into what we watched this week. We watched. I want to get the year right. I believe it's the 2004 horror comedy zombie film Shaun of the Dead directed by Edgar Wright do you ever think that modern life is not for you 
Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into... The of the world. A zombie? Maybe you're not alone. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got to go to Lizzie? Because I love her. All right, gay. All right, we're good. Sorry, I'm back. Cat uh, <laughs> was on the recording equipment. Um, I'm back. But yes, we watched the 2004 film, uh, Shaun of the Dead. So we will start there. Cue trailer play now. And <laughs> this week the pick was Lindsay, correct? Is that right? Shaun of the Dead? That's right. Okay. Shaun of the Dead. Now, uh, I guess I'll start with maybe why why Shaun of the Dead? Why why'd you choose it? And had you seen it before? Is it or is it the first viewing? Um, so it seemed like a natural pick because we, you know, we're in our zombie uh kind of phase right now and we just finished up with Night of the Living Dead and this movie um very obviously pays homage to that, like in the title as well as with throughout, you know, the movie. Um so I thought it would be kind of cool to, you know, follow up your pick with something that, um, you know, makes a lot of references to the original and um, kind of has more of like a horror comedy element to it as well. And then um, it's something that I've always like meant to watch, but just never had. So it seemed like a great time to finally watch it like yeah, 16 years later. Yeah, that kind of blew me away that it was 16 years ago. That this came out i remember yeah when around the time it came out i feel like it was always played on comedy central um all yeah all the time. All the time. yeah and that's like was my first uh I, I guess my first time viewing it i was on comedy central because in 2004 i would have been uh, we were 12 yeah i was pretty uh, yeah i probably couldn't go see this in theaters at the time so mm -hmm. i just had to watch it with commercial interruptions <laughs> the only way you could yeah pete and, and pete i'm assuming you have seen this at this point you've seen Shana i have Dem? i have seen yeah okay and all of the cornato trilogy that, that's true yeah that's <laughs> yes it's the first yes that is that's a cool trilogy um i i enjoy it quite a bit and and for people who don't know 
uh, real Shaun of the Dead, as as uh, as Lindsay mentioned, is like a zombie horror film, um, and it's one of three films that Simon Pegg, the lead actor, Nick Frost, also a lead actor in this film, and then Edgar Wright, who directed this film, they all did together um, as part of a loose trilogy based on the Coronado's ice cream. Um, and the only connection is that ice cream, which doesn't really play a huge role. Um, I believe it's just a color scheme uh, throughout the movies. Yeah, and they each kind of play, like, you know, homage and, like, make fun of kind of, like, the tropes of each respective, like, this one with zombies, had fuzz with, like, police buddy cop movies, and um, at World's End, I believe is the name of the third one. It's kind of like, you know, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I would, yeah. I'm not sure what to call that genre, but that I was guess, like, like sci fi. Some... Yeah, sci fi. Because yeah. they did like cop horror sci fi, I would say that one falls into. It's like alien invasion type scenario. But it's actually The World's End. And I, I just wanted to br- draw a point to that because I always say when I think of it at World's End, but that's the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh, every time, oh I God. do that all the time that, too. That's why it sounds familiar. Yeah, that's the third Pirates of the Caribbean, and, I, <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't sound like the movie, but I know that's right, isn't it? Oh, it's the World's End, <laughs> not at World's End. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I even had to look it up again when you said it, just to make sure. <laughs> I had it right. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> so they're very close. Different trilogy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's there's probably there's like five or six now, right? Six. Is there six? Oh, <laughs> there's gonna be. I least. think there's six now. <laughs> I obviously uh, haven't been keeping up. Stranger Ties right? was four, and then they did another one. The de- Dead Devil Man Tunnel and Tales. There's at least five now that I know of. Maybe there's a okay. sixth one out there. Wow, they're really flying. Yeah. Cash cow. But for this trilogy, um, directed by Edgar Wright, you're starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. This one is Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I guess I can kind of launch into the exposition of the film. Um, actually, before that, I'm just going to pull back before we go into the movie. What does it all mean? Does my life have any purpose? At any rate, this movie surely does. It's time to discuss the horror significance. Uh, we talked about this being a zombie. Uh, kind of the three movies we're going to be doing are zombie subgenre. We did Night of the Living Dead last week, and we're doing Shaun of the Dead today. And I'll give you some horror significance, I guess, of where this falls in. It is the zombie subgenre, but this is definitely like it's horror comedy as well, which is another layer yeah. to this movie. And horror comedy, we've done a few in the past, or like meta horror, if you will. I th- I would think like. Reanimators in there, um, Cabin in the Woods, which we've done, which just kind of blends those elements of comedy and horror. And comedy horror also falls into, I was reading, there's some types here, black comedy or parody and spoof, which this one I definitely believe kind of falls in that parody and spoof comedy horror. It's really playing off that zombie yeah. cliches that we are familiar with. Even in the title, it's a, a homage to Dawn of the Dead. Like Sean, that's why his name was chosen as Sean. Uh, it's very much playing into 
the tropes we know of really the Romero series. And I think as we get into it, there might be other horror movies, but I feel like this is really looking at the Romero films, like Night of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, um, that type of zombie that we're dealing with. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I guess then with that said, I'll, I'll launch into like the beginning of this movie. Uh, I'm on board from the get-go because they actually played, I believe it was the score for Dawn of the Dead right before we see Sean for the first time and okay. where he's at the bar with Liz, which is his girlfriend. And then I believe it's David and his girlfriend who are all at the bar talking to Sean about his life. Um, but I was on board from the get go because of that score. But also then when we go to see the credits in the next scene and they're showing who the title cards are and such, uh, the score they created for this movie is, it almost seems like, uh, carnival-esque i guess uh an homage also to older zombie scores if you will and they had characters like zombie-like walking through the streets even though it's day-to-day people you know going through normal tasks they had them kind of walking zombie-like and even sean yeah it was just they're so oblivious yeah and and i thought it was just you know we know it's going to be a zombie movie but it's just kind of funny um seeing it and you kind of chuckle at it um, right from the get-go even though they're not supposed to be zombies yet uh, as far as we're aware yeah but that's how it... yeah. sorry go ahead no i was gonna like kind of go into like an edgar wright tangent because like uh you know we're watching this and then like right before we watched this i actually rewatched scott pilgrim versus the world yeah and and that's like kind of like a forgotten gem i feel like of edgar wright and i was like i feel like i didn't really appreciate him until like baby driver came out like his like latest movie and i'm like i fucking love that movie and i was like man I really like Edgar Wright. He's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, I feel like the the only misstep I feel like for me was, like, the World's End one, but it's, like, it's not, like, by no means a bad movie. It's just, like, because Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are so good mm-hmm. that that one's a misstep, and then he, like, I feel like he really comes guns blazing with this movie because he just, like, it's just so funny, and then, like, I, I th- it is like I'm already kind of revealing how I feel about the story, I guess. But like, I feel like he just like really knows what he's doing, and I don't think he did much before this, like movie wise. Maybe he did. Didn't he work on a TV show with with, them? with Simon Pegg? Um, it's yeah. called Spaced. Was a TV show. Yes. That's what it is. Okay, I was trying to think of it, and I couldn't. And like, because this is is this his first film? I believe so. Yes, I, I believe he like really. Uh, pushed to make this movie because one studio dropped out producing it and then uh, he had TV offers but he kind of withheld in order to get this movie produced and get a you know a full length film under his belt yeah and he was like what? going into major debt at the time right <laughs> I think I, w- I would assume so yeah <laughs> not not uh, not getting a paycheck not taking on jobs yeah. but what a first film to come out with like that many well it, it's also great when it's you know, he's worked with simon Pegg in the past like they yeah so and, and they wrote the film together so they knew the direction they wanted to do it and they worked together so it that's a benefit and then simon Pegg knew nick frost who's the other uh, lead in this film co-lead co-star if you will supporting actor and he's also the in all the other coronetto trilogy movies nick frost and simon Pegg, but i to your point about Edgar Wright, uh, I think he just does a really good job of 
displaying actions, not like action sequences like you know you'll see in big blockbuster action movies, but just creating action through the way he films the movie. Like he he's so great at montages or showing how time is passing mm-hmm. instead of just showing basic montages with music overlaid and showing different cities and stuff. Um, he, he does these really quick edits of different, like in this movie, Shaun of the Dead, we, we meet Sean. He's going through his normal routine of getting ready for work in the morning. And all it does real quick is, is he's like two second shots of one. It's like him flushing the toilet. Then he's brushing his teeth. Then he's putting jam on bread. Uh, and then he's like, he t- it turns around and it's a wide shot of him drinking his coffee. But you realize, oh, he just woke up, went through his morning routine, and now he's getting, he's basically ready to walk out the door. And it's just like snap, 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 really quick. And I think he just does Edgar Wright just does a really good job of showing action, if you will, of displaying action through time, which is what a, a movie is essentially. <laughs> but a film a, a filmmaker should be good at that. I think, and and he does especially well with comedy, and that's what he does in these Cornetto trilogies. Like a genre blending, I feel like is his like specialty. Absolutely, yeah. He he, the sequences he puts together in some of these movies are yeah yeah they could be like John Wick level and like they're not stunts so much, but the way he you know sets action to to music or how everything just seems in sync um, somewhat um, is completely staged, and I think he does a really good job of that. But to the movie. Come one, come all. The movie is about to start. Gather round as Matt dishes out the details for Act 1 of this horrifying film. I hope you make it out alive until the very end. I'll I'll, I'll get through my my Act 1 spiel, if you will, just to set it up for the audience. If you haven't seen it, we got Sean here, played by Simon Pegg. His first crisis is at the beginning where basically his girlfriend Liz says... You, you need to really focus on Ed, which is played by Nick Frost, who's kind of a deadbeat, I guess. He he mooches off of uh, Nick Frost's character, Sean. They live together. Really sees Ed is ambling through life, and he needs to kind of cut ties with him. And as well, uh, move ahead in his life, uh, ultimately. You know, get his life together, because it's putting a strain on their relationship. And so he, pro- mm-hmm. he promises, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my life together i'm gonna talk to ed you know and i will you know i'll grow up and so that's your catalyst for the movie is he needs to uh move on with his life um and get something going to which then we get we learn of his relationship with ed as his roommate um as i was talking about he doesn't clean up after himself or do anything he works at like a i feel like a radio shack store back in the day or an electronics store where he's there's like tvs and phones they're selling um, and he's the manager there. And what they kind of display him as, you know, maybe he's too old to work there by this, like, 17-year-old kid who's, like, blowing him off the whole time. He's like... <laughs> uh, so we get that interaction. Um, so he's even getting it from his employees. His dad comes to the store, who's played by Bill Na- uh, Nighy. Is that how you pronounce his last name? 
very famous English actor in Pirate yeah. Radio, Underworld. Um, awesome. I, he's a really great actor. He plays Sean's dad, and stepdad, correction, stepfather in this movie. Yes, as he says many <laughs> times, that is not his real dad. Yeah, it's my stepdad. Um, yeah, and so even he adds a layer to it where he's saying, hey, you should come by and see your mom. You never do it and bring her flowers. So, okay, now he's got to remember to do this. He's got to set up a dinner, a nice dinner with his girlfriend. He's got to talk to Ed about getting things together. And so that's kind of your setup. He, you know, he's, he's trying to get his life together, and he's, all these people are depending on him. And so he attempts to get flowers for his mom. He tries to set up dinner, but the dinner falls through because he didn't get reservations. So Liz gets mad at him, um, kind of ends things with him, to which he then decides to say, fuck it, for lack of a better word, on the podcast, goes out with Nick, Frost's character, Ed, and they have a night of drinking together to kind of uh, forget about the day. Their woes. Their woes, essentially, <laughs> yeah. All the while, I think that's kind of where I would say after that night is where the, the exposition ends in Act 1. But all the while, I think Edgar Wright and you know Simon Pegg, who wrote the movie, did a great job of you know peppering in in the background, foreshadowing a, a potential zombie apocalypse. I think, you know, you're just following Sean Amble through his life. But if you really watch the background, there are a lot of clues that uh, things aren't right. Things are things are a little different. And he's just not paying attention to them because he's oblivious. He's, you know, a zombie himself. But that's that's kind of where, you know, Act 1 ends, where we get all of his woes and his problems. Are you still with us? Are you going to test your luck? Do you think you can make it to the end? We will see. For now, people indulge us with some juicy act two details. And they wake up hungover. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a little help actually reconstructing act two because it's actually been... Re- quite a bit of time since they watched it. Since Let's talk through it. That's recording. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like it's all jumbled up, but I, I feel like, you know, is it when they're at home throwing the vinyls? Oh, is sure. that, that's definitely, yeah. Right. Is that, that's shortly after the part you said, is that, is that accurate? Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, right after he wakes up and he goes to that normal morning route that he did at the beginning where he walks to like the store and gets, I forget exactly what he buys, but he goes to that like deli on the corner or something. Um, and he does that this time, but he, everybody else is kind of like a zombie, but he doesn't notice it because he's, go, he's going yeah. through his normal routine. <laughs> but everybody now that he is a zombie. And then he walks back to the house, and yes, they see the one in the backyard. Uh, there's a zombie in their backyard. And then I just like that scene, like, because they're just like, oh yeah, this is shit. And they're like, they're and they're like hey, don't throw that away. Like, it's just, you know, it's a good comedy bit. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good where they're throwing uh, Sean's records at the head of the zombies because they were told that's how you could destroy them from the news by destroying the brain yeah. of the head. So they're throwing records at their head. And I found it funny where they had to get permission from those artists to basically, you know, potentially talk shit on the album to throw it away and stuff or to show it on camera. <laughs> so they were calling these people and I believe it's one of the artists, uh, is it, is it, what is it, S-A-D-E, is that Sade? Is that the artist's name? 
or Sade, okay. is it Sade? I don't know how you pronounce it. But yeah, one of her albums is the one they break, and they're like, yeah, this album is shit, you can break it. Apparently, she was like totally cool with it. She was like, yeah, I don't like that album, <laughs> or whatever. It, it, it's, it's totally fine if you want to do that. That's really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good scene. Yeah, that, al- that album is shit. <laughs> And I feel like, you know, shortly after that, they're like, okay, I got to check on what's her name, his his ex-girlfriend now, mm-hmm. but he's still worried about her. He cares about her. And and he, uh, is, he finds, like, someone else there, like, his, like her other friend. He's, like, you know, has, like, a little tiff with them because, like, you know, he knows that, like, he's talking shit about him mm-hmm. with his ex-girlfriend. He's not a fan of that. And they're trying to hatch, like, a plan, like, okay, we need to get out of here. And then, like, what do we do? He's like, let's go. You know, I can't even think of the name of the bar right now. But Winchester? Like, like, yeah. Yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, he's like, that's his point. He's like, you know, he's trying to sell it. It's like, even though it's, like, what he does all the time, he's just like, it's got, you know, strong doors. he got strong, you know, like, all this. It's got the gun. He's trying to really, yeah, he's trying to really sell it. <laughs> and I, and I, what I really like about that scene, if I can, is when they're describing their plan to Edgar Wright's credit, he like he has a sequence where he shows what their plan is. Like they're talking about it, but then he shows uh Sean's plan, like in those quick snapshots of like going yeah. to get Liz and it's gonna be perfect, going to get my mom, and they skip out of the house together. Um and then we'll go to the the Winchester. And then they show Ed's plan. Um and I, that's <laughs> just like Demick's describing the plan isn't really funny in and of itself, but like showing showing what they're describing just adds another layer of comedy to it. Like, you think, like, what's going on in our yeah. head? It's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be perfect. perfect. <laughs> There's going to be no problems whatsoever. It's going to go off without, without any snags. <laughs> Which, of course, can't happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't have a story. Exactly. Just end the credits right now. That's the movie over. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, is it in the mix of them, like, going to the Manche- uh, Manchester? Uh, they, like get attacked by like a kind of like a horde did in it i'm trying to i'm getting a little fuzzy with memory here yeah they they go like their first step in the plan was to uh, bring back the mother and i think that's the, right the, well the first flaw was like she said phil which is the stepfather had been bitten and they were like oh we're gonna go in we're gonna kill phil no problem we'll take your mom out they get there he's not turned yet he's been bitten they believe but it, it's still <laughs> phil so now they have to bring phil along um, and they get the Jaguar, which was, uh, they take his Jaguar because Ed, Ed crashed, yeah. quote unquote, the car. So they had to use the Jaguar. <laughs> Ed was really into the Jaguar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a really, I think, sentimental moment, like a real moment in the car when, you know, Phil, the stepdad, and Ed, uh, sorry, and Sean don't get along very well. But as, you know, Phil is having his last breath. He basically has this moment with Sean where he's like, you know, it's hard to be a dad or like, especially a stepdad. You were like seven or something when I became your stepdad. I just wanted you to have someone to look up to, um, you know, cause that's important in life. And then like Sean, you know, has a breakdown or whatever. And I think that's it for the movie. That's our first interaction. He gets kind of mad at Ed because Ed kind of blows it off and he, he won't stop the car. That's what it was. He's like, stop the car. This is like a moment. And that's like Sean's first confrontation with ed of i think his growth where ed is kind of bringing him back right sean mm-hmm. sean's like feeling something and, and you know 
trying to grow with whatever his stepdad's telling him. Ed's like, ah, screw it, it's nothing. He's a zombie, and they get in that small fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely like. What's, 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 Sorry, I just like that joke where like then Phil passes and Sean's crying. He's like, "Mom, Phil's Phil's dead or whatever." And he's like, "No, she's not. No, he's not. He's fine. Look." And they turn over and he's got the zombie eyes. <laughs> they all freak out. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> they scramble out of the car and there's the, ch- the children's lock, the child lock on the back seat, so they can't get out, which was foreshadowed earlier. <laughs> so they're all scrambling out the front door. <laughs> and then like. uh no, I lost, no, lost it. I lost my thought. <laughs> it's funny because like that that scene was definitely funny because I don't think what I was gonna say was was funny at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Oh, I know. What I remember. What I was gonna say like I feel like they have like kind of like like you're talking about like their relationship being more strained. I feel like there's a couple other moments in the middle in the in Act Two where you know their their relationship is getting worse and worse and kind of leading you know to them like almost not becoming friends anymore i feel like it's kind of like how it like that that comes into more play and in, in Lindsay's third act it's really interesting that like it, it has become like such a a pivotal moment of the movie it's like their their relationship is like a very big part of it absolutely i mean it's like I, the zombies are there but i think the driving force is really sean's growth you know him not being a zombie if you will and you know just doing something that's what his girlfriend says ex-girlfriend girlfriend liz you know i just want to do something you know you don't have to, you don't have to be something great but just aspire to do something and that's kind of what he his growth is through the movie and if he sticks with ed it's kind of holding him back and so that that dynamic between those two uh is really the driving force even though there's a horde of zombies following them that's kind of just background noise for the major theme I feel like I'm missing another big moment. Uh, do either you two remember, like right before, right before your section, Lindsay? I feel like I'm missing something. My memory is really bad about this movie mm. right now. <laughs> well, they do get like through the neighborhood, like you know, running into people they know and like right. fending off zombies. By they find like a way to imitate them to kind of. That's right. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of important. Yeah, the imitation of the zombies to walk through the crowd to get to the Winchester because there was a lot of them. And they they attempt to do that uh, to get in. And I think the, mo- the most angry I ever got, got at Ed in this movie was when they're at the door trying to get into the Winchester. They had, their imitations had worked, and then his phone goes off. And, <laughs> and he picks it up. And he's talking to his friend about a weed deal, I think it was. He's like, I don't, I don't got any. I don't got anything. And Sean just loses it. Because then all the zombies see them. Right. Was that before or after when they were, like, all in there? And they were like, oh, we'll just have to be really quiet. And then his phone goes off. And he's, like, super loud. <laughs> the, the, the one I said was first. And then yours happens after okay. that still. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was a good moment. Um, yeah, is there anything left in Act Two? Do we think, or do we keep it moving? I don't. I don't think so. That's the hard thing about like Act Two is like, even though it's like sometimes like it's the media's part of the movie, it's like also like 
the least amount of stuff happens at the same time. Yeah. It's like, you know, you got like, you know, you got a very important 15 minutes, a part of act one, always. Okay. You gotta, you know, you gotta grab that attention. And then in the act three, you gotta end with the climax where all the stuff happens. You made it. They finished discussing the plot of this terrifying movie. Onward to the fun bits of trivia and production for this film. I do think you could argue this, but I think um, it could still be Act 2, where, unfortunately, Sean's mom reveals that she was bitten along the way, Mm -hmm. um, and she hasn't turned yet. Um, So, I mean, that's obviously, you know, super devastating for Sean. And that kid, David, wants to shoot her, and, like, obviously, Sean is conflicted about that, um, you know, because it's his mom. And so, yeah, yeah. that happens. That's a super intense scene. I, I thought, yeah. even yeah. for like, I mean, a horror movie, yes, you'll get those. This is, but this feels more like a comedy. It's a very good blend of comedy and horror. But like, that's a super intense scene for any movie, where Sean yeah. has to determine, you know, he has to kill his mom for like everybody for the because she's going to become a zombie in here. Um, right. Which is tough. Yeah. That could that could be like the end moment, and then like maybe after that is like is like transition to act act three is like because like from that point on it's like really like you know the final stand Mm -hmm. for them at the bar yeah Yeah. and you could you know take take it from there yeah guys let me know if i uh miss anything but obviously at this point um things start to get a little messy and we lose a lot of people along the way which you probably saw coming um I do love the moment where, like, uh, the Queen song, like, Don't Stop Me Now, like, um, starts playing on, like, yeah. a jukebox or something, um, and they can't turn it off. And, um, you know, I thought that, like, music was, like, perfectly in place um, as they tried to fight off, like, the one zombie, I think, that had gotten in there at that point. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's, like, thousands of them, and they, you know, break their way into the Winchester pub, and... Um, it was super disgusting how they got David. Um, they were having kind of like a heated um, conversation with David because I think he admitted to being in love with Liz, Sean's ex-girlfriend, and that, you know, had created the friction. He was also the one that wanted to shoot Sean's mom. So, um, and so, you know, they kind of like, you know, attack him because um, he was standing by like a window or a door or something. And then the other one, that's part of the group diane she tries to save him but her attempt was totally futile and the zombies get hurt too i believe and um they i sean had this roommate pete who um had like been mad at him the day before you know for being like for not like taking any action in his life and you know for letting ed hang around all the time i believe so he had said something about how he had some sort of like injury or something like a fight the other the day before well now he's a zombie and he fights ed and sean shoots and kills zombie pete and so um there's three of them left now sean liz and ed um, first they hide behind the bar, um, but then, like, Sean sets it on fire, and then they get the idea to go down to the cellar. They think maybe there's a way out. 
um, you know, they realize they're running out of ideas. Um, things are looking pretty desperate. Um, Ed volunteers to let the zombies get him. Uh, and then Sean finds a keg lift that leads out into the street. Uh, Ed decides to stay with the Winchester rifle and the zombies take over. Um, and then all of a sudden the British army shows up and they save uh, Sean and Liz. Um, and then around six months later, we flash forward to that. Um, everything is kind of calmed down, more normal. Uh, the zombies that have survived are used as, quote, cheap labor and entertainment from Wikipedia. <laughs> um, I really didn't know how else to put that. And um, that said, Zombie Ed is, like, chained to Sean's shed and they play video games together. And um, meanwhile, Liz and Sean have repaired their relationship and they got back together and she moved in. And that's where we kind of end things. You made it. They finished discussing the plot of this terrifying movie. Onward to the fun bits of trivia and production for this film. Uh, laid out the groundwork for future zombie movies or TV shows. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> what I said, but it's, it's probably a good point. But I can't. <laughs> yeah, that that's the one I that I I like had it in my brain, and then I said the first one first, and then I lost the second point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, j just in general, I think it does do a really good job of paying homage, homage to you know previous tropes we know. But then, to your point, I never saw them. No one thought of imitating a zombie because it, it almost seems comical. Like, and if you did a real zombie apocalypse movie, yeah, um, you might think it's silly, but like, it works in a horror comedy about zombies to imitate them because that's that is comical. Um, yeah, but then they, you know, getting boarded up is like Night of the Living Dead, they or Dawn of the Dead. They board themselves up in and find a a sanctuary to keep out the zombies, and they break in. Um, that's part of it. The flesh eating zombies is there. David's death is really gross. <laughs> it's yeah. it's, it, it's definitely you know jarring for the rest. The, the movie does have gore, but I feel like that one was like out of left field because maybe maybe there was a downtime in the movie, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is a zombie movie. And <laughs> they are flesh eaters. <laughs> I think I remember what I was gonna say is that like maybe it was actually with Lindsay's point when she said like at the end with like how they like you know they became like labor and cheat and like yeah. part of the game shows like i feel like that's that you know actually like post-apocalypse like zombie like trying to recover like that's never really talked about at all in a zombie because like True. you know if the zombie apocalypse ends those you know the show that show or movie is over but this one shows you like you know uh that there's they're still in our world but we found a way around it by you know making them like servants or whatever <laughs> that's a good point and, like the only thing i can think of is actually like a british tv show um it's only two seasons i think it's um god i can't remember the name of it now but it's a really good show um it's like about a kid who actually is turned into a zombie but he gets rehabilitated by like the british government where he's still like semi like coherent 
So, like, he could, like, talk to his family, but he still has, like, zombie or... I think it's, like, In the Flesh or something like that. It's a very good show. I would recommend it to to anyone, honestly, especially if you like zombie stuff. Yeah. And, and to your point about at, at the end of the movie where, you know, it shows you what's going on after. Agreed. Most zombie movies don't do that. But if, if they do show an aftermath, it's usually like, you know, there was a, a cure for it or like so that, you know, no one's a zombie anymore or like Night of the Living Dead. We have to, you know, eradicate them all because they're they're tainted. So there, there's never like how they coexist with society afterward like yeah. we found a way to coexist with each other normally or like in day of the dead it's just like the group of people that made it out are just like you know they're just like on vacation they found an island that where there isn't any zombies and they're just like enjoying some peace but like you know still the world is in shambles and i can't remember how dawn of the dead ends i don't remember it's been a minute but I, 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 yeah, I definitely do want to watch it. I almost watched it before the podcast because of Shaun of the Dead, and I wanted to watch Dawn of the Dead just because I don't think... Which is re- really hard to find, by the way, because it's really hard. Long, tangent, short. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy who owns the rights, I guess, like wants a lot of money or something uh, for the U.S. rights. Um, he, uh, so it's like you can't stream it, and you can't buy it. So. Perfect. Good luck trying to watch it. I guess you could somehow get, an, you know, an old legal copy that someone put on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, shout out to people that put out, you know, like specialty horror movies. Like, it really, it recently got, like, a crazy, like, box set. Um, but it's only, it was, like, only in England. Um, and it's like so much money. Oh, I bet. It's like, it's a hundred dollars for the Supreme set. It looks gorgeous. I want it so bad because it, th- this version I would be able to play because the uh, 4K Blu-rays are not region locked like Blu-rays or DVDs are. If you're familiar with region locks. Okay. Well. You know, Christmas. Christmas. Wait, it's impossible to find. Christmas is coming. It's up. impossible to find, and I no, it's it's so hard to get. I can't get it right now, and I'm so mad. <laughs> it has three cuts of the movie, and I want it. <laughs> well, now that we've kind of wrapped up the story, if you will, all of the acts of Shaun of the Dead, I thought we could roll into some production notes, some trivia on the film, if we. Any do exist about Shaun of the Dead? Am I correct in believing there is trivia? There's like a couple of things yes. that I found. Yes. All right. Awesome. Um, I chose all George Romero related stuff, basically. So, um, you know, there's just so many ties, and it was just really um, there's a lot of information. So, um, first piece that I found um, Romero loved Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's work so much that um, he asked them to appear in cameos in Land of the Dead the following year as zombies which I feel is oh my the God. highest form of praise I forgot about that yeah yeah I mean it doesn't get better than that you know mm-hmm. um, so that's really cool like 
I don't know. Um, okay, so... 100%, like... Oh, sorry, I was... Just, no, no, no. Like, that just brings to the point I mentioned last podcast for Night of the Living Dead, where Romero said, you know, don't make a zombie movie because they're all the same. If you do, you have to do it with, like, a new twist. And I I really do, when I watch Shaun of the Dead, like, I think it's a very good zombie movie. Like, it, it it's horror yeah. comedy, for sure. It's not like, you know, Night of the Living Dead is specifically horror. But, like, it's, it's better than some just strictly horror zombie movies. I do think it's an awesome zombie movie. I think in the comedy and the horror blend well together um it really works and they put their own little twist on it um uh, with some with the way they treated zombies the way they joked around with zombies how you know it was it was funny and it was you know you you felt that impending to him so i thought they did a really good job and clearly he did he gave he gave him a tip of the hat <laughs> want to be in my yeah. zombie movie yeah no i think that's uh pretty awesome um so, uh, George Romero was also given a private viewing of this movie. And, you know, the part where Ed says, we're coming to get you, Barbara, you know, um, Sean's mom. Apparently, it, like, went totally over his head. Totally missed it. He didn't make the connection <laughs> with his own movie. He thought it was a direct quote from Night of the Living Dead. And uh. he only found out um, later when he was talking with Edgar Wright. And, like, you're a real person. Like, yeah you know like i just i love it yeah that, um that's crazy because like when i heard that you know it's like a close-up of nick frost saying it too all over the phone <laughs> we're coming to get you barbara like like there was like inflection on it and everything it's so funny that he was like oh that was from my movie oh i guess so missed it <laughs> yeah so haven't, like... haven't seen it <laughs> i just made it i didn't watch it <laughs> Yeah, so I found that to be, like, a really, like, humble, like, you know, um, thing. So, uh, lastly, um, I, we did kind of touch on this in the last episode that we did for Night of Living Dead. Um, there's a part where Sean scolds Ed for calling, you know, the creatures zombies. Um, this kind of, I think, kind of indirectly refers to the fact that, as we talked about, you know, previously, uh, the word zombie is never used in Night of the Living Dead. And a lot of the most memorable zombie films out there don't. And um, so I feel like that was kind of a reference to that in that uh, dialogue. Yeah. I, I like that a lot, too, where they, they, they say zombie, but then it's immediately corrected to say, don't say the Z word. Like, oh, they, they immediately are like, don't. No, they're not zombies. That's silly. Like, don't say that. Um, it was almost like a running joke <laughs> in the film. Like, no, that's stupid. Zombies aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. I swear, it's, it's it's not the same. Yeah. That's all I got, though. Um. So yeah, trivia. Oh, yeah, and there was one. Here was there was two. Uh, I wanted to uh, like these aren't Romero references, but they were. I was really looking for other, like horror or zombie references and a lot of them were Romero as like Lindsay pointed out and we talked about it's that type of zombie but um, I don't know if this is a direct reference but at the end of the film when they're listening to the newscasts again and you're learning about the zombies they do mention a virus infecting people from like monkeys right which is how the zombies in Britain um, in 28 days later starts which is that's how that that movie starts it's funny you say that because that's the next movie I'm picking. 
Are you? Awesome. That's a good transition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 28 Days Later. Yes. I was caught between that one or City of the Living Dead, which is, I know, a really random pick, but I wanted to, I believe I wanted to pick it because it was Fulci. I've talked about how I wanted to do some Fulci movies. Yes. Pretty sure that's that's him. I'm going to double check on that. Make sure it's not Bava. Because <laughs> they're pretty similar. It's it's Fulci. Yeah. But yeah. Ultimately, I end up with 28 Days Later because I felt like I've seen both of them and I feel like 28 Days Later is a better movie than say The Living Dead. <laughs> Awesome, yeah. I, it's been a while since they've watched 28 Days Later. And to Fulci, um, one of the godfathers of gore, whatever his nickname was, one of those, Fulci was something gore or whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if this was on purpose, but in this movie, there was a restaurant named Fulci, and I don't know if it was a shout-out to the actual director or if it was just like an actual bar or restaurant that, yeah, this, that was on the street. It's a, ha- a happy coincidence. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. He did. <laughs> He did do, I, I think he did, like, a good amount of zombie movies, because he did, didn't he do zombie? Which is, like... What was that, him? The, like, the Night of the Living Dead <laughs> Italian version? Yeah. So, sorry, dumb tangent right now. Zombie is, uh, Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie in other countries, and then in like the movie Zombie 2 which is the movie that I'm talking about yeah it's, it's Fulci. Fulci. yeah <laughs> they, yeah um, they capitalized it like oh it's a sequel to Dawn of the Dead it is not the sequel to Dawn of the Dead it's literally nothing to do it's a different movie Dawn of the Dead yeah they, they just try and capitalize on the success story yeah of Dawn of the Dead which Dario Gento edited for European audiences a lot of horror names were thrown out right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. That, and I think he's made a couple other ones too. But the Zombie 2 and Zombie Siri 3, right? Dead are the ones. Is there a Zombie 3? There's, there is a Zombie 3, but he, I don't think Fulci did okay. it. Okay. Um, I was going to go into uh, some box office critical reception here, which is about that time. But I wanted to throw this into some of my horror significance. I, I probably could have done this towards the beginning of the podcast, but I think it was better knowing the context of the movie um, and how it all works. That I found it interesting that this movie comes up a lot uh, when when film scholars discuss what is it nine post nine eleven anxiety films horror films. This is two thousand. This is two thousand four. So. Um, you know, there was the age of anxiety in the 50s, which was like the nuclear, there might be a nuclear war. And you got a lot of, you know, radioactive monsters and invasion of the body snatchers type movies in the 50s. This one is seen as, a, a, they say, a pretty good example of like post 9-11 films where, what does it say? This film scholar says uh, there was a renaissance for the subgenre of zombie during this time. You know, 28 Days Later is right around this time, I believe. Is, yeah, and uh, because it reveals a connection between zombie cinema and the post 9-11 cultural consciousness because horror film functions as a barometer of society's anxieties 
and zombie movies represent the inescapable realities of unnatural death while presenting a grim view of a modern apocalypse. So I guess that like sort of chaos or, you know, uneasiness towards society or the future, zombie films kind of fit that mold, you know, because it seems like society's on the rails if everybody's turning into yeah. a zombie. So zombies were, you know, prevalent uh, during this time, so all Renaissance, and they a lot of them really um, use Shaun of the Dead as an example. And I'm sure 28 Days Later as well, but I found that to be interesting that Shaun of the Dead is used quite a bit in the, those film studies classes for post-9-11 horror films. I wonder if zombie movies will have another comeback once uh, the pandemic is over to kind of deal with that anxiety. You know it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. Or, you know, because 28 Days Later, you know, spoilers ahead, that's more like a virus that makes people turn yeah. into zombies and, like, you know, contagion. Um, yeah. I think there's a movie called Pandemic where, like, it's just about, you know, viruses um, spreading across the world. Yeah, that's definitely uh, that falls into this genre. I will watch 28 Days Later if that's your pick, but I will. I refuse to watch Contagion. Contagion. Yeah. Contagion, I would say, is not really even a horror movie, though. It's, like, more... It, it's too it's... true to life right now, yeah. is what I hear. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I can't handle. Isn't it... It's Soderbergh, right? Is that Soderbergh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In... I... Go ahead. No, I was going to say this. Like, it, to me, like, even though it is, like, thriller like to me that's like another situation how like sorcerer was like it's not horror thriller in that umbrella it's like the umbrella that's like i don't know it's kind of like its own Mm -hmm. different thing it's been a while since i watched it but that's my gut instinct right now for that movie (laughs) this is a a great discussion of you know like if this was a subgenre we did because i could i would also argue playing devil's advocate you know, virus movies, if it's not related to zombie, just like a contagion is a virus movie, that it could fall under the subgenre of body horror, which is like something, um, you know, we're used to like Cronenberg where, you know, your body's like literally like deforming or something. But part of the body horror subgenre is, you know, something infecting the body, such as a virus. And it might not transform you into a beast or something, but if it's like completely potentially killing you or degenerating your body, it could fall into that depending on the magnitude of it. This is, we'll say this for our mini episode on virus movies. Horror or not. (laughs) But It's about due time we make a spinoff podcast, don't you guys think? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like we've uh, pitched enough on this podcast as we go through it. (laughs) But we'll wrap it up here real quick. Uh, Real quick synopsis. This was a, you know, commercial success. I think it was like a $6 million budget. And they made like 130 million right out of the gate. Um, it w- Smash hit. Yeah. Cult status. 100% international success in you know everywhere. Um, so they made back their money, and they made two others in this trilogy, uh, the Coronetta trilogy. So huge commercial success, but also critic critics really like it. Um, critics love this movie too. They gave it a huge nod. Romero asked these guys to be in his movie, like the the main guy for zombie movies. So film film critics and audiences alike really enjoy this movie um, it still stands up but we'll roll into that audiences love it critics love it but you know what does the it records podcast love it so we'll roll into defender destroy Lindsay, <laughs> this was your pick how do you feel about Shaun of the dead okay let's go
conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. think um yeah so you know you gotta love it because you know it's it's a little bit lighter horror comedy um you know i think 2004 when i think about it it just brings me back to simpler times so <laughs> i like that um you know it re- it reinvented the wheel a little bit especially at the end as we discussed kind of finding that way to live with the zombies um or like make it work for them um but um you know with all the homage it's paying to zombie flicks it's enjoyable it has a lot of moments of brilliance um i think it did a great job blending the horror and comedy genres um so that was really balanced well with some of the gory horror and satire um you know this guy's life is falling apart and then all of a sudden it's up to him to take action and fight for it um and try to save the day and so um you know as he leads a group of friends and family through this uh apocalypse but um definitely a different long story short so which one of you wants to follow? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I have some thoughts rolling through my head, so make sure I get them all in. Um, I, I, I'll, I won't bury the lead. I defend Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I'll start. I'll start <laughs> with defend Shaun of the Dead. And you know, it's been several years since I've watched it, and I really enjoyed coming back to it and watching it again. I think it's it. It reinvents the wheel, as Lindsay said, in some areas, but it really hits all the tropes. It's its own movie in its entirety, and I think they just did almost every element in this film well. Like, uh, I think there's like a Monty Python comedy feel to it. It's like the two-man comedy feel to it with with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, like Abbott and Costello back in the day. The two setup guys, the comedy's funny, and it blends the horror in really well with it. Like, the David death scene was shocking. Because it like sets there's all this comedy, boom into horror, and it really works really well together. The pacing is is super good. It moves quickly. It's an hour and forty minutes, but it it feels really quick, um, which is always good screenwriting. Um, if you can, if I'm not really worrying about the time and the, the plot's continually moving, I yeah I really enjoyed it. I thought Edgar Wright great directing in this movie. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of his filming makes the jokes funnier. What comes to mind is when Simon Pegg is like, I'll go check to see if there's zombies. And he climbs up that uh, slide, the ladder to that slide, and looks over the fence, and then comes back down really slowly. <laughs> He's like, nope, coast's not clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a funny joke, and the way it was filmed, where, like the camera was steady, it didn't move at all. He just went up the ladder real quick, and then came back down. Um, <laughs> so it was really well on all fronts. And then, final point, um, one thing I think that it was um, good for the zombie genre, and this goes to Pete's point about you know things that might have done differently a little bit uh, that maybe think people do now, is I feel like in a zombie movie, a zombie apocalypse, a hero always emerges. Like a main hero who's got the plan, I'm going to board everything up, you can follow me. 
you want that to be Sean. You see that's Sean's name, but that's not Sean's M.O. Like, the whole point is for him to grow, and at the end he does. But he never really has a fully formulated plan. It's always okay. like, I th- like when they came back, and they're like, oh, he came back for us. Now, what's the plan? And he just sat down and ate peanuts at the bar and, and drank beer with them. Like, he really was never, like, the hero character, but it was everyday zombies being fought off by an everyday guy. I'm just trying to make it through it all. And I thought that was an interesting element to it, and I really enjoyed it. So, thoroughly defend Shaun of the Dead. Well said. I'll start at the end. Okay. (laughs) I defend it. I defend it. And I'll slowly go back to the beginning by cutting, you know, doing a little Quentin Tarantino style. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, basically, like, I can't really say it any better than myself. Like, it's, uh, it... It was great, or we watch. I remember, I feel like I watched it at, like, the perfect time, you know? It was, like, when I first watched it, it was, like, right when I was, like, really getting into horror. I was, like, still, I feel like not too many movies under my belt yet, but I was able to, like, you know, have a newfound appreciation for horror movies because it was, like, oh, okay, there's not just, like, this kind of, it's not just slashers, you know? That's, like, the one that pops up, I feel like, the most for horror. It's, like, there's, like, so many other things to this genre, and I feel like that really, for me, this movie opened up the doors. Like, there's so many different things, and people, like, like oh, like, someone can make, like, a really, like, good movie, and it's, like, even funny, too. It's, like, that's, like, really unheard of, I feel like, within the horror genre. Like, I guess, like, you know, another one that comes to mind is, like, Zombieland, you know, another zombie movie, you know, it's, like... It's really hard to have a genre blend and for it to be, like, universally loved and, you know, make a lot of money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's a unanimous defend for Shaun of the Dead. And we had a unanimous defend for Night of the Living Dead prior. So, so far, great picks. And we like zombie movies on the It Records podcast is the trend. Um, and we'll have a third one coming up on the next episode to round out that uh, little trilogy of zombie films that we're going to go over, which it looks like at this point will be 28 days later. So that's uh, something to look forward to. We'll see. We'll see if that changes. But right now it looks like it might be 28 days later. It, it won't change. Okay. All right. I, I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty Lock it in. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded lock. Right. So that'll be another British Right, Danny Boyle did that, correct? I believe it'll be another British zombie one. Yeah, another British guy, yeah. yeah. So, okay. That then concludes this episode on Shaun of the Den. Shaun of the Dead. Thanks for you know tuning in. Get at us in the meantime on Facebook, Twitter. Where else are we? We have our own website, Facebook. I think I just said that already. But social media, <laughs> that's where we are. We have a website. Let us know what you're thinking, other episodes, things you want us to talk about. We'd always love hearing from you. If you have any suggestions for us as well. This is a small plug for Pete. Um, actually, no, I'll erase this from the podcast. I'll do it when we're done because it has nothing to do with Sean of the Dead. But to round it out, um, get at us. And until next time, I'm Matt Johnson and I'm Randy Shadows. Uh, I'm Peter. Uh, I can't stop me. Ah! <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I can play off that, but I won't. I, I, I don't have anything.